I'm gonna start only reading Rock and Ice. <laughs> That's why I only read I only read outside magazine and I skip all the like really intense ones. Anything that's not a a, a very uh, not subtle advertisement for a bunch of other products, I don't care about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you skip all the stuff about like sexism on the trail and shit like that and go straight to like best rain jackets of 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> best three best rain jackets over three hundred dollars. Yeah. Or top ten. Top five Arcteryx purchases. <laughs> How to spend your stimulus check with one Arcteryx purchase. Damn, son, where'd you find this? My personal preference is to be be, taken truthfully. If I could be used as a a symbol for promoting revolutionary activity, that's fine with me because the main thing in my opinion, for me, the main thing is to get rid of the industrial system by whatever means may be necessary. By whatever means may be necessary. By whatever means may be necessary. Means may be necessary. I'm trying to live that sun hoodie life. Yeah, dude. What, you can't live in the desert and not be on the sun hoodie game. I just want to have it for all my hiking. Yeah. Now, I mean, now I use it for everything, too. It looks so functional and so dorky, so it's a hard it's hard it's to justify not it. Even dorky, I think it looks cool if you don't have the hood on. <laughs> I think they look kind of cool too. You look super dorky. You, if you don't have the hood on, it just looks like a long sleeve with thumb holes. I'm just trying to do like fits for my hikes from now on. <laughs> trying to get that Yankee fitted. I'm trying to wear like a Yankee fitted, uh, <laughs> the Patagonia uh, Terraborn joggers that look like uh, like like mm, cool pants. No, no, no. Uh, Merrill makes a Merrill makes a shoe that looks kind of like a Yeezy boost now. Oh, nice. <laughs> we should just get Yeezys though. That was the whole. Remember that we were gonna get the JMT FKT on in Yeezys. Yeah, that would be the <laughs> dopest. Gonna... I'm still down for that. If if I could find Yeezys, I would try it. Isn't the yeah. FKT on the JMT like three days? Yeah, but in my Yeezys, I can do it in two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter how long it takes you to do them as long as you do it because you, then you have the FKT for doing it. No, dude, when you're on the ultralight beam. Ultralight beam. I'm on an ultralight beam. <laughs> All right, should we get into some new stuff? Talk about this. This is, this is sort of the most... Thing after after last week's episode, it was just like I don't want to talk too serious and stuff like that. But this one was interesting. The USPS um, is maybe getting privatized again, or it's getting mm-hmm. slammed again by the Trump administration. Yeah. yeah, which is it's it's just like everything else we talked about, like the national parks, or like education, or all these all these departments, all these government agencies that are being privatized or just being dismantled and privatized now. This one, the, I mean. It affects a lot of people. Our little selfish niche thing is that it affects, you know, like resupplying, which is mm-hmm. the most like non-essential fucking thing to worry about. Like if there's so many other problems and issues with privatization of the post office and like thinking about it in terms of, I mean, trying to keep it relevant to this whole topic of a podcast, but yeah, there's something that could potentially impact the way we hike, the way that, that we send ourselves food and supplies and stuff like that yeah like how magical is it that you can just like send a box to like a post office in a random town you've never been to where you don't live and they'll just like keep it safe for you for a month and then one day you can just show up and be like hi i'm the person whose name is on this box please like give me the things for free thank you goodbye yeah or even crazier like hey uh i'm actually gonna bounce this to the next town 
Yeah. yeah. And you can just call them and be like, trust me, it's me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so not all places, not not every post office will do that for you. But well, once it's privatized, sure. we're going to all have, it's just going to be all Muirtrail Ranch style resupplies. For $80 pay, like, a bucket. <laughs> yeah. God. But yeah, like it, it, it not only impacts hikers, obviously impacts a lot of other people because the post office delivers to a lot of places that is not if cost effective for a lot of these bigger companies to do like UPS and FedEx. They won't deliver to some of these places. I mean, it's like, as you know that from experience, like you know that there's a bunch of places that are super remote out of the way that there's only a couple people that live out there that that's the only way they can get their, their mail. I imagine having to privatize that and relying on private industry to, to ship stuff out to these faraway places. Yeah. When I lived in my cabin, all my um, packages came through US, USPS. It's like, even if it got sent, ups or fedex they just dropped it off at the post office and then my mail carrier brought it to me the the this is horrifying again and like so many other things but it is hilarious that it's just a way to try to fuck over jeff bezos yeah. <laughs> just because trump hates bezos and he wants to yeah. hurt amazon because amazon has so many contracts with with the post office that it would just it would just really hurt them yeah but this is the first thing i've ever agreed with trump on is like fuck Jeff Bezos like for very different reasons but like we both have the goal of like giving Jeff Bezos less money and like for that I give their man some respect yeah I actually felt sympathetic to that part of the argument where it's like <laughs> I could see like well like our tax dollars are almost just subsidizing Jeff Bezos making this absurd amount of money yeah absolutely like that's I the reason for hurting him is is Jeff Bezos should be because he's a billionaire and he should be uh taken a central park and uh you know introduced to certain um french revolution apparatuses fiction <laughs> <laughs> this is satire uh, but uh the reason trump wants to do it is because he just washington post um source of all good media has just made out a bunch of articles against him and things like that and he just has a has beef with them which is which is owned they were owned by jeff bezos yeah because bezos owns washington yeah. post. so that's like that it's the one thing where you're like, yeah, I agree with that. Definitely um, hurt Jeff Bezos financially and satirically, physically. Um, but this way is kind of like not, I think, a great way to do that. I think it's something that definitely impacts a lot of people more than just Amazon. It's given me an idea for activism, though. What was your idea? We just need like, so anytime there's like a mine, they're going to like build along the AZT or like some ranch is going to revoke rights along the CDT or something like that. We just need to find a way to publicly turn Trump against the owner of that mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll do like whatever vindictive bullshit he needs to do. Be like, no, I think we're going to actually make this a national park. The site that your uh, mine was going to be. Just start a false flag operation just to yeah. turn these billionaires against one another. I think it's like, might be our best shot. Yeah, that might be the only thing that actually is effective. Like if we, instead of this like, doing outright activism against uh like trump on bear's ears if we're like actually we're gonna rename it trump's ears he would have been like actually <laughs> I, I love it now it's great yeah, yeah you guys can't touch folks this anymore. folks we gotta protect it they love us they love it folks it's the best it's the best monument yeah that might be a good way to do it and preserve some of these things just say like we're gonna name them after you we're gonna yeah small price to pay and we'll just change it later that's fine Trump Semity National Park. Yeah. No. The Grand Trump. Dude, I could see uh, Lassen being renamed Baron Trump Park, though. It's got that, like, <laughs> hellish vibes. Yeah. It's got the volcanic <laughs> ash everywhere, yeah. 
I think when uh, during the election of 2028, after Trump dies and um, Baron is named Emperor, God Emperor, that's when the real apocalypse starts. Yeah, he, he has a real evil vibe to him. I know we're not talking about children, but like <laughs> <laughs> he's like 12 years old and like seven feet tall, and he's gonna start. He's gonna grow big black leathery wings out of his back soon. He's a big boy, yeah. Yeah, yeah let's appease him by getting it early in on this and just naming some of these landmarks after him. That way, maybe he'll 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 be merciful and allow them to maintain their status. But the um. The most other thing too, the the other thing they're talking about is just raising the prices. So they're going to go from just uh, the the thing you said was that they wanted to raise the prices up like four times the rate so that they have now. So like, which obviously means just like a huge like burden on a lot of people who rely on these like small businesses, uh, not just Jeff Bezos, but like other actual people, other business who do a lot of commerce through the post office. Like it's much more efficient and easier to do it through post office because you get better access to different places it's cheaper by far kind of remember like you can i mean just think of it like in hiking terms of like sending a flat rate box across the country for just like as much shit as you can get on it for having one price versus like if when i remember going to like the the ups to try to ship some shit and it was just such a clusterfuck of trying to figure out like how how much is the weights and you know where's it going to which different zones and that kind of stuff like that so I think just having like a standardized price that is that that makes it just easy to ship things across the country. Also, what's going to happen to all of us who already bought forever stamps? Is forever <laughs> over? <It> Maybe. <laughs> what do we do now? The thing that makes me the most mad is it's a fucking public utility. Like, yeah, if Jeff Bezos and Amazon are abusing it, then like take away their special deals they have with the post office. Don't like yeah. punish all of us for it. It's like. If he had a fight with Google and he was like, oh, yeah, your server farms run on electricity. So we're going to just like jack up everybody's electricity prices. And this is ultimately isn't going to hurt Jeff Bezos. Like he's going to find a way around this. He'll probably make his own little private delivery fleet, which he's already been working on. Get them drones to drop off packages. Yeah. So now they'll just get privatized and the prices will go up for all of us. And then Amazon's going to be fine. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, this is not meant to be like a defense of Amazon or anything like that. Like, Amazon is terrible. And the the one thing I like, that's so hard to think about, like when I was hiking and stuff like that, is just relying so much on Amazon mm-hmm. for a lot of yeah. stuff. Like if you need to get gear replacement or shoes, like I was always buying shoes off Amazon just because you get that del- overnight delivery and stuff like that. But like, long term, it's just thinking of it now is just trying to be more thoughtful in terms of like longer hikes or things like that, where you don't have to buy shit from Amazon or try to buy them from somewhere else instead of because I just remember seeing like a post somewhere where it was like, as soon as you buy something from Amazon, you don't think about like the two day delivery, just starting like this Rube Goldberg device of terror and abuse and these workers mm-hmm. to make sure that you get those products overnight. It's it's definitely something I've thought a lot about in terms of like hiking long term and things like that. Just like, or just in general, like just not trying to support Amazon, not trying to give money to Jeff Bezos and things like that. And it, it does, it does have a huge like, inconvenience factor to it but it's mm-hmm. worth it i think to not contribute to that dude i'm totally blackpilled because of my years i spent working in tech and i've seen how many websites run on aws amazon house amazon web yeah. services that's like one of their biggest things right yeah it's like the whole fucking internet like you can try to not use amazon but you're using we're probably using it right now yeah <laughs> the idea i mean it's like the, the idea with is like with veganism, which we're definitely going to get into later, <laughs> is the idea to minimize your your impact as much as possible. Like there's a bunch of re- uh, things like that that we can't 
not use like all the AWS stuff with Amazon for just like any kind of storage server space and anything like that, or just like shipping certain things that are just cheaper to get from Amazon. That might be more essential things. Like I'm not saying try not to buy that stuff, but like there are things that is just easier and more convenient to get from there. But the goal is to just minimize it as much as possible and to just like not contribute as much to that to the system. Yeah, when I needed stuff uh, shipped to me on trail, I always tried to use REI if I could. I don't know enough about um, any bad things about REI. They to really say we should never use them or anything like that. The only thing I know is that it was a big deal for a bit was that they were pushing their employees a lot to push memberships and they were getting like punished if they didn't get meet a quota for getting enough customer memberships for their co-op program. But I don't know if that was like resolved or anything like that. That was a few years back. I did my training there and they talked about selling memberships and anything. There isn't any punishment or quota that I saw. Like there's bonuses for selling them, but I didn't see any sort of, so maybe they changed that. Yeah. Cause I, I just remember seeing like a Reddit AMA where that employee. And then after that, a bunch of employees came out and said like, yeah, that's a standard practice of forcing employees there to try to meet those quotas and then punishing them if they didn't, hadn't meet it. So I'm glad it sounds like it's resolved a bit. And I was like the lowest of the low that you could be there. Um, so I, I don't know if like, if you're a little higher up, if there's some more like quota type shit, but they even told me during training that like, oh, if, if someone's thinking about buying something and like, there's something cheaper that would work better for them, or if they just don't need it at all, like go ahead and like talk them out of buying the thing. That's dope. That's cool. Yeah. Although like my first time I actually tried to do that, I was like super pumped. It was one of the first times I ever worked with a customer. Like I was just stalking shit by the climbing stuff. And she asked me a question. And I was like, oh, sweet. I can answer climbing questions. And um, she was like, what's the difference between this black diamond chalk and this like Metulius gym chalk, like the block chalk. And I was like, oh, are you just getting started? And she's like, yeah, I'm just learning climbing. And I'm like, the chalk's not going to make a big difference. Just get the cheapest chalk. Like unless you're at like an elite level, like it doesn't, it's not going to make a difference. And then she like looked at me and then looked at both the chalks and she's like, I guess I'll just get both then. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm trying to help you. You don't need this chalk. No, you need the chalk. You need the more expensive one. The more expensive it is, the better you can send. Yeah, if you're not using friction labs, then you're just like, you're never going to make that jump from V0 to V1. <laughs> don't ever let me see you chalking up with that block chalk. That scrub shit. She honestly just probably thought you didn't know what the fuck you were talking about. Yeah, I guess so. I should have made her feel my hands. <laughs> I'm sure your employees love that. That's our customer service experience. During, that's the main thing during the COVID outbreak. Like once we come back to work, I'm just going to be like, feel these hands. Oh, I just got a hangboard. One of my friend's partner made me a hangboard. Oh, sick. How do you like it? Um, I haven't been able to mount it yet. So, Have I you injured yet. yourself yet? Um, I, almost, <laughs> I almost dropped it on my foot just bringing it in the house. So yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I put mine up like uh, two weeks ago. It's pretty dope. This one is like really nice, but it's super heavy. I'm afraid of injuring my fingers, so I've mostly just been doing chin-ups on it, on the jugs. Yeah, I don't have one. Yeah, but you live in Yosemite. In case anyone was wondering. <laughs> yeah, but there's nothing I can fucking climb, because no one's allowed to climb in the park right now. You don't have any, like, boulders in your backyard or anything? Just climb those. I don't, I think there are. We kind of asked a friend who has lived here for a while, but, like, there is stuff. We also don't have, like, a full rack, so we were looking for stuff that you can top rope, and there is stuff, but it's technically inside the park, and... Mm-hmm. It's just not chill to do right now. You don't want to live out um, your Valley Uprising fantasy and go like hide from rangers <laughs> and climb and like. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the the National Register of Historic Places nomination for Camp Four yesterday, which is really cool because it gives kind of like a, a very academic um, 
summary of basically the Valley Uprising story and like why Camp 4 specifically is super important in the history of climbing because um, it's where Yvonne Chouinard was like slinging his first piece of gear and it's like where everyone was hanging out and like discussing like clean climbing and like all these different techniques and stuff so that was cool. If, if they do a dedication ceremony, they should only serve uh, canned cat food as the cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> it's already on the, it's already on the, the document was a few years old, but I didn't, I also didn't realize that um, it, I mean, the original climbers chose it because it was the first like all season campground in the park. Um, but also there's a few like really great boulder problems that are in the campground, which I didn't really realize. I didn't realize that there was like a specific reason why it was that campground that they were hanging out in. There's a bunch of classics like right off, right like nestled amongst some of the some of the camp spots and are at least yeah. a little bit further in and like super close to everything i was gonna say like uh when you were describing how they had made it uh they just nerdified it and then just made it so much less cool <laughs> like, they, like take the <laughs> yeah cool ass story of camp four and then you're like making a proposal out of it and like adding all this historical context <laughs> and things on that sounds so boring dude it was already it was already like lame it was already square it had been square for a while yo guys like uh you know yvonne chenard the dude that makes the vest that they wear on wall street he got started <laughs> in camp four <laughs> oh, yeah oh dude did you did either of you watch the, the the patagonia um the new film that just came out the no the yvonne chenard one from like the i think it's the 70s where it's just yeah and it's i got to go finish. to the premiere to that in uh at the patagonia in santa cruz damn it's so good it's like old school, like dirt bags, them just heading down to uh, Patagonia to the climbing Fitzroy. In like the world's shittiest van and they're just driving the whole way there. We're <laughs> yeah. stopping the skis. Remember going to movies? That was cool. Going to what? So, remember going to see movies? I feel like I, I haven't, haven't gone that. to a movie since torrents were invented. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Free Solo in IMAX. Oh, that's sick. No, I just want to... Oh, man. You know what? My I take it back. My That whole like two weeks we've done of uh, privatizing the national parks, I take that all back just so that you can privatize uh, Yosemite and they can screen Free Solo on the side of El Cap. This is the third episode in which you've joked about... Pro- projecting something onto the face of El Cap. Yeah. And now I'm getting like legitimately worried. Here's what happened is Jose <laughs> Jose had an idea like that's super capitalistic that would is like actually a really good idea that he thinks he can make a bunch of money on. Yeah, I legit want to sell this. I I want to sell this ironically, quote unquote. So he's just joking like, "Oh, wouldn't it be horrible <laughs> if this happened?" Wouldn't it, be funny? <laughs> wouldn't it be so funny? Wouldn't it be like hilarious if somebody paid me a lot of money for this idea? <laughs> I, I don't have, have any idea exactly where you would stand to get the best angle or anything. Um, other stuff, uh, for everybody, you sent me this article, so we can talk about this one. A Guardian article about the uh, halt of destruction of nature or suffer even worse pandemics, a world's top scientist. All right, let's talk about this because it's going to be really funny. Uh, Alex Honnold. I don't want it to be funny. It's going to be hilarious when I just shame you some more. Alex Honnold made a little post today about diets. Because he is kind of, he's like vegetarian, right? Mostly vegan. I think at least yeah, there's, like a, me. <clears throat> there's a Munchies episode about him where it's like the the, the the legendary diet of climber Alex Honnold or something like that. That was pretty good. But he uh, posted a thing where he just talks about, um, he made a rant. I can just read it. Uh, uh, for some reason, there are a ton of folks who are mortal, who get mortally offended every time I post about how vegetarianism or veganisms are better for the planet. Uh, and yet it's a fact that eating less meat and dairy is the simplest way for the average individual to lower their impact. There are countless reputable sources on the subject, though it's maybe easier to just watch a few films like Game Changers or Cowspiracy, both of which I had less issues with, but overall arguments are sound. The most vocal critics of my diet fall into a few categories. 
One, people who don't want to think about it one way or another. They just want to eat how they've always eaten. In some way, this category annoys me the most. It's intellectual laziness. I grew up eating steak and drinking milk. My family was as middle-class as American as it gets. And then I read a ton of books and started worrying more about performance and my carbon footprint, so I stopped eating meat, or at least seriously limited. We have to change as we learn new things. Two, folks who argue that meat can be sustainably raised or they hunt their own food. I agree that in some cases this can be sustainable, but there's no version of sustainable meat that feeds 7.8 billion people. We have to start by just eating less meat. Three, people, almost overly macho young men who think that I must be seriously light duty to eat mostly plants. I don't even know what to say to them, but I'll just leave them with this Jimmy Chin pick of me soloing the excellent adventure of 513A. I think the plants did me well that day, as they have for the last seven years or so. If he ate cheeseburgers, he could have climbed 515 free solo. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone interested, read Eating Animals by Jonathan Sopran Ford. It had a big impact on me. And then here's where it got a little bit, a little bit uh, tumultuous here. Uh, oh, and my last mini rant is reserved for vegans who are all up on their high horse and poo-poo other good folks' good efforts. It's better for someone to eat meat once a week than it is to eat it every day. It shouldn't be a test of ideological purity. Diet is a spectrum, and it's better to do less harm than more. Boo. <laughs> so I reposted this to my Instagram and I was like, hey, Alex post first I was like, Alex Hamill posted this great post today about like why we should all eat less meat. And then I like highlighted that last part because I I mean, I don't identify as vegan because I eat meat once in a while when I feel like it, and I'll eat non-vegan if people offer it to me. Um, like mostly I eat vegan, but I'm not gonna label myself as such. But I do think that it's important to be kind of empathetic and patient with people who are trying to make big changes. So when he's like, yeah, it's better to eat meat once a week than to eat it every day. Like, absolutely. But I think plants is in the camp of like, uh, (laughs) you have no excuse. You should just never eat meat. And I'm of the camp of like, uh, I want to do what makes me feel good. And sometimes uh, being immoral makes me feel good because I want to eat a piece (laughs) of cheese. Yeah, that's how it sums it up. So so the thing with that, yeah, the the rant thing of his little last rant against vegans, things like that is like, I understand that there are people who are making that switch, who are maybe don't understand sort of the environmental impact, impact on animals, impact on human health. They want to make that transition. And I would never think to say that it is a purity contest that you have to do this 100%. Like everyone has to do it all the time. Like it's it's literally my job to try to like a professional preachy vegan. Like I go teach people about the impact of our food system. So I, and I especially present and talk to a lot of like, you know, lower income community, underrepresented communities, things like that. People who don't have access to food or who are fucked over by the food system. And I grew up with that. Like I grew up below the living below the party level most of my life. Grew up Mexican. So I totally understand that it's not You're like still Mexican. I'm still Mexican. <laughs> I grew up Mexican and then became white as I, as I became vegan. <laughs> as I evolved to my final form. But I understand that, like the whole mindset of like, yeah, you need, it's, it's like, it takes a lot of hard work. Like when I went vegan, I didn't do it overnight. It took me a while to like cut back on my animal products. But like, I think for me, the thing is just like, once you understand the impact, once you have access to resources, then I don't see like any excuse for not making that switch. Like that's the thing is that I... I, I feel for people who have a hard time with it or who don't have the resources to do it. I think there's a lot of shit we need to address in our food system in order to help facilitate that change. Obviously, like 
subsidies in this country are insane. Like we should not be subsidizing meat and dairy as much as we do. Like we should be promoting more access to fruits and vegetables, helping get rid of food deserts and food swamps and stuff like that. But yeah, like I think I think I think there's a lot of people who use that as an excuse to like say like, well, there's people who don't have access to resources or it shouldn't be a purity contest. And it's like, well, it's if you have the means to do so and you understand the impact that the system has, like I don't understand why you would continue to support it. I just feel like, I mean, if you're going to talk about excuses, it's like, who do I have to make excuses to like you? Like ultimately at the end of the day, it's like an individual decision. And if I, if I feel like, okay, with the culmination of like my impact and like my diet and the choices that I've made, like, yeah, I could do better, but there's a lot of aspects in many of our lives that we could do better. And who am I to like step into somebody else's life and be like, you're trying to do something, but it's not good enough. Like you need to be better. It's like, I, I understand to a degree, like holding each other accountable, but also I feel like yeah. we need to have empathy and understanding for people who aren't there yet. Because like I said, like I'm not the enemy in this situation because I eat cheese sometimes. <laughs> like there's, there's bigger fish to fry with this. Yeah. And I think like ultimately what Hanel's trying to get at is that like, you're going to be able to change more minds with, empathy and understanding which is which is something that i've been grappling with with trying to like get in fights with strangers on the internet slightly less is like (laughs) i'm gonna change more minds by being like understanding and patient which i'm not i'm not good at being patient with people i don't agree with but i would change more minds if i was like patient and understanding than if i'm just like aggressively throwing facts or like calling people immoral or like throwing around throwing around that sort of stuff my strange addiction arguing on the internet (laughs) (laughs) i'm not addicted but i just get really passionate and then i get really like psyched about when i make a good point (laughs) i think it like with the vegan thing it comes down to like how big of an atrocity do you think that animal agriculture actually is because i can totally see jose's side of things because i'm a strict vegan um as far as my diet goes for sure and I think it's because I think it's like incredibly horrible to eat an animal. And I think that's why like where Jose and I come from is more like, yeah, there's some things like um, speeding and it's dangerous and it puts other people at risk. But like going a little over the speed limit every now and then is not like a hor- not that big of a deal. But then there's some things like rape where it's like, oh, I think I'm going to reduce my rapes down to just a couple a year. <laughs> like that doesn't sound like it jives very well with anybody's moral outlook. Like, yeah. There's some things that are black and white where it's like having a couple of slaves isn't okay. Like yeah. that's a black or white mm-hmm. issue. Those are very, that was literally very similar. The response I sent for a while was uh, that yeah. like it, it, there are certain things that are just like immoral and if like, like racism, like if you, you wouldn't say like, I'm only going to be racist one day a week or I'm only going to use, I'm going to treat myself to a couple of slurs every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think that that's, that's a good point, Jordan. But I think like, I think that what Honnold's getting at in his post is that he views it more um, as a way to reduce his environmental impact. Yeah. And like eating meat for one fifteenth of your meals or whatever is going to way reduce your environmental impact. And uh, yeah, even though we can't all feasibly get to like 100% veganism, like he's still making a huge difference personally. And that seems like it's good enough for him if, if, if that's his reasoning. It's, yeah, he doesn't even think- bring, he doesn't bring anything moral into the into it at all other than like bringing up the documentaries but yeah i think if your whole thing is either environmental reasons or health reasons it makes sense to cheat every now and then thanks <laughs> but i think that's <laughs> the wrong reason to get animals, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> i just don't think like i i understand what you're getting at and no. i understand your point but like i said i feel like 
I'm not the enemy. I'm trying to deflect blame for myself here. Like, I'm not the enemy. Like, like you said, we need like institutional change and like yeah. more people globally need to have access to this type of diet. But like, even then, are you still going to like fight the ones that choose to like eat dunkers that are, that have dairy in them? Like, yes. Is, are those the people, are those the battles that you want to choose? There's like a critical mass thing where if, if we remove the subsidies and remove the demand, on the consumer side for these products, like incidental milk that's in Mm -hmm. cookies and stuff like at Trader Joe's is going to disappear because it's going to become absurdly expensive to use that stuff. Well, that's that like a lot of the the way byproducts and uh, milk additives and stuff like that is just because milk is so heavily subsidized that they create so much of it. And there's just so much excess of it. There's also a couple of like lobbying Mm -hmm. and marketing groups that whose sole job it is to try to get as mentioned, these products into like, other other things that you wouldn't expect them to have you know like having whey and casein and stuff like that and a bunch of other shit just because there's so much excess of it but so so my thing with the with the honolds thing and the kind of the idea that like you shouldn't um shame anyone or you shouldn't like put anyone down who's making an effort or things like that which i agree with like i'm not i'm i I, that's literally like professionally do that where i go to tell people it's like i understand that you're like your kids or your like even college students or things like that like you don't maybe have the resources you don't have the information you know the the access to a lot of these foods so i would never go to any of those people and be like shame them or be like you're not doing enough for the for the environment or why don't you care about the animals like and i want to meet people halfway that's the whole goal is like just meet people halfway but there's just like i will still not like hold my tongue when it's again there's people that i know or people that i know know better and to not be like hey I think that this is wrong and I disagree with this and I respect you enough that I would, you know, maybe I could have framed shit better always, but, but it is like, I, I would never not say that or not, or just be like, yeah, that's good enough, buddy. Like, yeah, that's great. Like that you can do that. Like I, it's always like I, and this, but it's the same thing that I would want people to tell me to just be like, Hey, I think we, you can do better. Or here's a thing that I've noticed that is wrong or that you do that I don't, that I disagree with. And here's the reasoning for it. And here's, how I think you can improve or like, I think that's that you could improve. <laughs> this is a very different approach for me. Cause I'm like congratulating all my friends. If they like, if they do like meatless Monday or if they like start drinking oat milk, like I'm on the, I'm like on the, I'm an oat milk soldier. Like I'm getting everyone I know to drink oat milk. And if they make that switch, I'm like, hell yeah, good job. Whereas Jose is like, what do you mean? You only switch to oat milk. No, no, I, I don't do like, you only switch to oatmeal. Like that's, no, you I do, do that. <laughs> I, I do that with like people I know or things like that or friends who I know exactly. know better or things like that. Like I, Jose that's takes different. the cult approach where you're really nice to people when they first start. Like, oh yeah, we'll take everybody <laughs> in. But then it's yeah. like, once you Shame. like make that like break and you're committed, he's like going to push you super hard to be yeah. like all the way committed. And the, but the thing too, uh, with that is that the thing I worry too with the with the Honolds approach or things like that or kind of just being like always 100% encouraging people um, is that it promotes the idea that if that's enough to like reduce or to like cut back and stuff like that like where I don't think that's enough like to me like it's a great that's a great stepping stone towards making significant long-term change of doing like okay well I, I don't know if I can do this 100% so I'm going to start off one day a week or I'm going to cut back one meal a week like that's that's the that's a stepping stone that's not the end goal and then this kind of thing of just being like oh you shouldn't poo-poo other folks good efforts or things like that I'm like uh, you should only, if, if someone says they're only going to eat meat once a week um, that's fine or that's good enough and I, I, don't, I don't believe that that's good enough we need to make drastic yeah. changes to our food system, to the system. Like the environmental impact is just like so massive. It's like 
there's a whole bunch of issues related to production of animal like animal agriculture in terms of greenhouse gas emissions deforestation water pollution it, there is no sustainable way to continue having that system and like even if reducing it even if we were all to reduce it a potential amount it would still fuck up the planet like and we need to completely change that that's one of those things that keeps me up at night with like a lot of issues that the society seems like so much more comfortable with gradual change of course like of course they feel more comfortable with gradual change and then yeah. like a lot of people want to depend on electoralism where it's like, oh yeah, we should vote to make like um, the Green New Deal come into play or something like that. But I feel this sense of urgency because like the fucking planet's dying. Like it's, yeah. the planet's probably going to be fine. It's just going to be hotter, but like all the life on it's going to die. And same thing with like, like if national parks start to drift towards being privatized or like there's real people dying because they don't have healthcare and there's all these issues and I'm just supposed to vote for somebody every two to four years. And that's like how we move like forward. We're yeah. like, oh, we we need to end animal agriculture. And the way we're going to do that is we're all going to drink oat milk, but still eat cheeseburgers. Like it doesn't add up. Like it's yeah. if we had like 50 years to make the change with no consequences, that would make sense. But like from the animal perspective, there's actual animals dying every day yeah um and they don't have time to wait and then from the environmental perspective it's the change is happening faster than we can keep up with yeah and that's i think it's a thing with like when you, when people kind of relegate it or reduce it down to like oh vegans are just being purist or they're just being like ideologically purist like they and they don't they don't show any compassion or things like that i'm like it's, it's it's like way too urgent it's not about that's just a way of dismissing the argument or dismissing a lot of concerns or things like approaches like that by saying like well this, they're just turning it into a purity test like no motherfucker this is like an important thing and it is it is very black and white unfortunately like there is there's a lot of other issues as well too but at the end of the day like this is not a sustainable system there's every single time you consume like an animal product that's an animal that had to suffer and die it seems unnecessary to me yeah yeah, i feel that well in positive news uh beyond meat stocks have gone up because like the meat industry is fucked right now oh my god so that's been that has been a a kind of highlight in my life right now a little bit is just seeing (laughs) um People are starting to be a little bit more aware of how much the impacts that animal agriculture and things like that are having on the environment, just how much it's contributing to some of these pandemics, how it's contributing to climate change. And a couple of these COVID pandemics, as mad as it's been that it's shut so much stuff down, it's hurt so many people, obviously, it has actually hurt a lot of these industries, which is like great news. The unfortunate thing is that a lot of them are probably going to end up getting subsidized and getting bailouts and things like that. So they're going to get paid off again, which already like if you if you care about the environment, like if you care about like even if, if you disagree with everything we say and we talk about in terms of like government taking over roles, like you should then you should still hate animal agriculture because because of how many subsidies they get, how much taxpayer money they get. Like if you think that that we shouldn't protect the post office or the national park so that the public shouldn't fund those things that your taxes should not go to those things. It's like much further, much higher, how much money we give to animal agriculture than we do to any other industries. Like 63% of subsidies in the farm bill every year go to the animal agriculture industries and meat and dairy companies like that. Like it's just literally billions of dollars that go to just paying farmers to keep the prices of meat and dairy down. Thanks for that beautiful appeal to all our libertarian listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the ANCAPs. Not if morals, if morals don't work. Yeah. If morals don't do it. If dollars all, being mismanaged. If all you care, if you think taxation is theft. <laughs> I just want to know, like, 
obviously we don't have anybody listening to the podcast right now probably but like if we'll ever have somebody that's just like oh dirt block leftist through hikers i'll check this out uh yeah. meanwhile they're just like like they listen after they read the ron paul foundation newsletter <laughs> <laughs> while they sit and they listen to it while they just sit naked underneath the dutch red army flag yeah <laughs> well jose since i am assuming that like the majority of our listeners realistically are not vegan do you want to give like do you want to do some work right now and give like a short spiel to people? Oh, I could do that. I could do like try a to whole, sell them a couple of things. Yeah. So and this why is it matters that's... specifically to like outdoors people? Yeah, I mean, just because like I feel like we're talking to ourselves in a bubble right now of like whether whether mostly vegan or strictly vegan is better, but like realistically, that's not our our yeah. base. Probably. There's a lot of omnis out there. Um, and so here's the main things. So there are three main reasons why. You, why animal agriculture is really bad and how it affects people. It's for animals, people, and the environment. And the for the purposes of this podcast and for like the general outdoors cultures, obviously the environment is one of the most important issues. Uh, the if you if you maybe don't care about animal welfare, or you maybe don't care as much uh, about your own health. You know, given especially as much the garbage that through hikers tend to consume while on a through hike, uh, <laughs> we don't necessarily care about our health and well being. But if you care about the environment, if you care about these beautiful places that we spend so much time in, all these pristine like wilderness spaces, the the mountains, the rivers, forests, and like that, it behooves you to adopt a vegan lifestyle or to at least switch over to cut it back as much of the animal agriculture as you can or animal products. And the reason for that is because in the in there's a bunch of different stuff that you can point to, but the key points is that for air, water, and land. So in terms of the land. Animal agriculture account uses up a fuck ton of land in this country. Like I think it's over a third of this land is mostly for feed for cattle and for feed for those cattle. They just require massive amounts of lands. There's huge portions of this country that are completely taken over by cattle operations that have just been decimated. A lot of forests, washes, plains that have just been completely raised to make room for cattle operations. If you, I mean, we've been in Colorado. We saw the cows traipsing around on these wilderness pristine areas. You've seen them maybe some places like. Sierra Mountains or things like that, or so. So there's a lot of lands that are that are constantly being taken over by private industries or cattle ranching operations, or a lot of stuff where they these cattle will graze, they'll devastate the land, they'll eat up everything there, it'll destroy a lot of the natural biodiversity and ecology of the life. And I feel like we should point out that like this is often Forest Service or BLM land, like this yeah. is public land that we own that is being leased for animal agriculture. Yeah, it's a boatload of BLM land. Uh, it's primarily. Uh, a lot of that is taken over by these cattle operations and things like that where the cattle go up there. But the, so the cattle operations are, are are a huge problem, obviously, for a lot of ways. I'll talk about that in a second. But the other thing is that where we raise most of these animals. Um, so a lot of people don't know this, but in this country alone, we raise around 9 billion animals, uh, land animals, raise 9 billion land animals um, for meat, eggs and dairy every year. So that's like more the, we raise more livestock on this country alone than there are people on the entire planet. And most of them are housed in what are called concentrated animal feeding operations, CAFOs. They're basically these giant warehouses, these industrial sheds, usually in very remote rural parts of the country. And that's where a lot of these animals are housed. So they literally thousands upon thousands of them kept in these uh, just giant sheds. And it's incredibly fucked up conditions. There are a lot of times abused. Um, just the, the they're not in the natural pasture lands or grasses or things like that. They're just corralled into small spaces, except for like the cattle operations, which are kept in more open lands and things like that. Are allowed to graze on public lands. And so both of those those industries, both of the way that we raise those animals, is just incredibly destructive for the land. It's a lot of it destroys a lot of the the wildlife. They're very invasive. They shit a lot. They create a lot of waste. They create about 
1.4 trillion pounds of waste every year. And most of that waste ends up, um, a lot of it is kind of the, the reason, the way that they dispose of it is by literally spraying it into the air. So it's, it's housed in these giant manure lagoons, these shit pools that house all this waste. And then they try to dispose of it by spraying it into the air. So a lot of that waste ends up polluting the air. It's actually one of the leading causes of like air pollution. It's one of the leading causes of water pollutions. Uh, it's the number one cause of water pollution in this country. I think if you've ever been hiking around cows or things like that, you have to treat your water because you have the potential to contaminate people. And it happens all over this country. I think we should point out too that um, if you're hiking a long trail, like if you're on the AZT or the New Mexico section of the CDT or some of the areas of the PCT that have cows that you can see, like through the, some of the southern sections, um, that's not a majority of yeah. how livestock lives. Like you might walk past those and think like, dang, it's beautiful out here and there's these beautiful cows and it seems like a fair trade-off that they get milked yeah. or maybe like after a couple of years they get slaughtered, but they get to live out in this beautiful space and it's wide open. That's most of these animals are in these CAFOs that Jose mentioned before. Yeah, that 100% is like, it's true. Is that there are these, these, if... These trails were routed through CAFOs or near CAFOs like that. They would never allow that. Like they would never allow you to get anywhere as close as they allow them or things like that. That's why they, some of these trails, even they still are very cautious of people like going off trail or not going to these areas because they don't want to wander into some of these larger operations. And, and so there might even be- Even if you don't give a fuck about humans and, or you don't give a fuck about animals and you only care about people, um, it's important to keep in mind that like, the same thing where like you imagine this like cowboy rancher and they have this like great life and it's been handed down from generation to generation. Yeah. That's very few people in the animal industry. Yeah. Most of them that- are working in these shitty conditions and slaughterhouses or in like dangerous conditions in these big sheds where the air has really low quality. And a lot of them end up with PTSD. They have issues in their own homes with abuse because they abuse animals all day. And then they go home and they don't know how to treat their own wife and kids because they're so desensitized. It's like going to war. Incredibly high rates of PTSD and alcoholism among factory farm workers. Again, because they don't have access to resources. These CAFOs are very poor rural areas. A lot of the times they don't have access to services. They get minimum wage or some cases even far below minimum wage. So yeah, there's a huge human toll on that as well, too. It's just um, a lot of workers that are exploited. They're either immigrants or undocumented immigrants um, a lot of the time, especially on slaughterhouses, because you can imagine that's not a job that like middle-class white people want to do, right? This is a job that no one else wants to do. But anyway, the, the land impact, too, is a huge problem. Um, it's a huge problem in Brazil, actually. Brazil is one of the countries that uh, their, their meat consumption is, con- is increasing a lot. Um, I think the U.S. still has the highest right now, but China and, and Brazil are really expanding. And the problem with Brazil's uh, meat consumption expanding so much and the exportation of beef expanding is that the cattle ranchers there are literally burning the rainforest down to make room for these cattle operations. It's like literally millions of acres have been burning constantly. There was a little bit of attention on it last year, a couple of social media posts about it, a couple of articles about it, but that's been going on for ages. Like it's been going on for years. Bolsonaro has kind of encouraged that and really cramped down on... Um, a lot of the protesters, mostly indigenous people who are trying to protect the rainforest, like the Yawanawa, um, and they're literally being assassinated because they're trying to protect the rainforest. The huge problem with that, um, from an environmental standpoint, from burning on the rainforest, is that the rainforest works as a kind of a carbon sink. So it absorbs a lot of CO2 and puts out a lot of O2, so a lot of oxygen um, that basically cleans out the greenhouse gas CO2, and it puts a lot of O2. Like 20 to 25% of the oxygen comes from the Amazon, and it's like being burnt down for these cattle operations. So that's the land. Um, the other big thing with the land too is just how much food these animals require. It's just there's you have nine billion animals and they were mostly fed soy and corn. 
So we have all these monocrops in this country that are being grown to feed to these ant livestock, these animals. And it's a lot of land, space, time, resources that could be used to feed humans. Um, if we just we were able to reallocate those resources and, and just how much time and effort and resources we put into just growing the feed and we use it to grow things that we could eat directly, could feed everyone on Earth today plus an extra like two billion people just by making that switch. Water I talked a little bit about it is biggest source of water pollution in this country. CAFOs pollute so much water. There's so much water pollution in this country, um, especially a lot in the Gulf of Mexico. If there are um, a lot of rivers and tributaries that drain out into the Gulf of Mexico, um, so a lot of that waste from these facilities, these concentrated animal feeding operations ends up there and it pulls up a lot of ammonia, um, nitrous oxide, phosphorus, things like that. And it creates these oceanic dead zones. So there's these, there's a giant patch in the Gulf of Mexico that's just this giant oceanic dead zone. It's from a lot of stuff. There's a lot of oil operations as well too, but that's one of the leading causes. It's just how much waste ends up there and leads to the eutrophication of a lot of these oceanic zones. So there's an algae that feeds off all this um, phosphorus and it blooms and expands and eats up all the oxygen. And then it basically just completely destroys these aquatic ecosystems. That's land, water, and what else am I missing? Air, air uh, pollution is a huge problem. All the waste from these animals produces um, the single largest source of greenhouse gas emissions um, or greenhouse gas equivalents in terms of CO2, uh, just because there's a ton. So the most common greenhouse gas is CO2, carbon dioxide, and that's what we think of when we think of like car exhaust. But there's a bunch of other greenhouse gases like methane and nitrous oxide, which are more, more powerful and more potent than carbon dioxide. So like methane is around 20 to 30 times more powerful than carbon dioxide and nitrous oxide is around 300 times. And these giant manure lagoons, these and all these animals themselves, they produce a lot of these greenhouse gases. So it's the number one contributor of greenhouse gas emissions. Sort of like, it, it depends on which study you look at. There's a there's a um, UN study and an FAO study. And so depending on which one you look at, it's either the leading cause, it's either one of the leading causes of greenhouse gas emissions or it's the leading cause of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so it's still really high up there. So like that, that in terms of global warming, climate change, that's like the biggest contributor. It was more than the entire, more than the transportation industry. I just want to remind everyone that Nadia is the one that suggested that Jose do his rant. Yeah. I said a few minutes, so. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important to yeah. inform people slightly. That's, and that's, just, again, that's, this is just like the Cliff's Notes version of like, that's the stuff that I kind of, oh my God. there's a bunch of other stuff <laughs> as well too, but those are the big, those are the big three in terms of land, water, and air. Like they, you could talk to a length about the impact on the animals. Like if, if you're listening to this and you care about the outdoors, you care about nature, it's, it's hard to imagine not caring or not being empathetic to literally billions of animals just suffering constantly. I think like to wrap that whole thing up and i'm sure we're going to talk about this more like in future episodes it's yeah. something we all care about but like nadia is absolutely right like if you can even replace one glass of milk with oat milk that you drink per week that's some kind of improvement and yeah. if you can do meatless mondays or if you can switch to only eating meat once a week or whatever that is definitely helping like we shouldn't discourage anybody from doing yeah. that but based on all that stuff jose just said like there is an urgency and if you feel right now that like the most you can do is cut back by X amount, then do that. But we should all have an eye on the future and think like our long-term goal should be to eliminate this stuff because it is really bad for the planet. 
Yeah, yeah. Like transition, do whatever you need to to get to that point. Um, the goal, honestly, the goal isn't even like veganism or is that to just convert people to veganism. It's to become like activists for this stuff and to also work towards the cost. Like the minimum, the baseline, the minimum amount that we should all do is just not contribute to this industry and as much as possible. But like in your process of like, but in, to get there, on that, yes. yeah, like while you're on that journey too, like if it's hard and you slip up, don't give up. Like, yeah. If you if you manage to like eat vegetarian or vegan for two weeks and then you accidentally eat a slice of pepperoni pizza when you're drunk, like don't wake up the <laughs> next morning and be like, well, I guess that's over. That was a fun experiment. I can't do it. Like get back on the horse. It's literally built into the definition of veganism. Like that's the thing I think people get caught up on a lot is that there's this idea of like this purity. Like if you if you have to be perfect all the time, but no, like the definition of veganism is literally as far as is possible and practical. Like that's the key thing. It's like if you slip up, if you make a mistake, like I've made mistakes. I definitely bought stuff that has had animal products in it, but never like and never and just you just do the best you can. Just try to make as much of a change as possible with the long term goal of just being to cut it off entirely. Yeah. At some point we can talk about my whole like like moral conundrum I had, my ethical conundrum with my uh quilt that i bought and how i like hate it and love it at the same time now yeah oh my god i've that's a whole other thing discussion of down products and synthetic products yeah like that and like that is but i think maybe we can uh (laughs) yeah maybe we can wrap up by uh, on a little bit more positive note of talking about some of the stuff we eat on trail yeah Yeah. i was gonna say we need to like a lot of people i think have the excuse that it's not feasible to do to reconcile veganism with like an outdoor lifestyle or like honald points out like athletes will be like i can't possibly eat vegan he's like i'm doing it like i i'm still doing this stuff and i'm not eating meat and like a lot of other people are doing it too like it's a bullshit excuse and if you think you can't eat vegan on trail because it's like inconvenient like it's not that inconvenient and we'll tell you how (laughs) yeah and if anybody like questions like the performance aspect of it like just watch game changers like don't listen to us try to explain it but like just know that we've all through hiked and honold's off obviously like his career speaks for itself um, yeah. so it is possible to do this stuff it's not only possible to do this stuff but it also is like it can help your athletic performance like that's the whole point of game changers it can improve your overall health like i talked about the environmental impacts and animal impacts but if you care about your own personal health like yeah a plant-based diet has been shown to be one of the healthiest diets possible it's shown to like if you look at the blue zone of people's um people live the longest yeah it's like predominantly plant-based i haven't eaten dinner yet so do we want to do we want to quickly talk about our favorite vegan trail meals shall i start yeah, go first, Nadia. <laughs> uh, by far, favorite dinner is uh, soy sauce flavored um, top ramen, which is labeled vegetarian. It's the only vegetarian like um, or vegan kind of ramen that's eventually found in grocery stores. Call it by of, its true name. Say its problematic name. <laughs> Oriental. <laughs> no, it's called soy sauce now. But yeah, okay, yeah soy, so soy sauce, sauce ramen with... Um, some uh, mashed potato flakes. If you get the ones that aren't, aren't flavored, there there's no butter or anything in there. And then peanut butter, sriracha, and then um, just veggies, which is like dehydrated, uh, like carrots, peas, um, corn, shit like that. Uh, yeah, like the sriracha and the peanut butter may get like a, may get like a pad thai. And I will low key like eat that not on trail sometimes without the dehydrated veggies. I'll use real veggies, but like you just ate that the other night before we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You just had that for dinner. Yes. Yeah. 
that's a meal that's like a dank vegan meal that's fucking filling as hell depending on how many potato flakes you put in it and like you can legitimately make it in three minutes so yeah and the the peanut butter sounds like a little out of left field but it really does make it taste like pad thai yeah yeah it does i used to be like not about the peanut butter i i really like peanut butter but i used to be like eh, i don't know ramen's fine on its own but like nah the peanut butter is and sriracha packets are clutch yeah other favorite vegan meals, I'll keep going, are um, <laughs> uh, the Santa Fe dehydrated refried beans. Yeah. Uh, with Fritos. Yes. With the Frito, the big, what are they called? The big dip, the spoons or whatever. The scoops. The scoops. Yep. Yeah. And I also, <laughs> oh, uh, so pro tip, go to Taco Bell or Del Taco and get a bunch of hot sauce packets. and Get it, the hot sauce. Get those fuego packets. Yes. <laughs> you guys are missing the most uh, the most important vegan backpacking uh, thing to carry with you. Which is no. just tortillas. Which no. is all you eat. Nooch. Oh yeah. Oh, Carry I was gonna nooch. say Oreos. Oreos too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you if you're interested, I do have a guide. I wrote it on. I, have a, I, used, I forgot that I have a blog, but I wrote a hike, how to hike the PCT, <laughs> vegan. I made a oh, list yeah. of things like that. It has a bunch of things I ate. Things like that. And you can find a bunch of resources. I think like what Katessi has a video on it. Um, yeah. There's a bunch yeah, of she has a really in depth video, and there's like kind of two approaches I think we could talk about too. Like there's the kind of healthy vegan. And then there is the way I eat. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the thing too, is like, I think uh, the healthy vegan stuff is like, it's, it's, it's a little more, requires a little more planning, a little more expensive, but I mean, that's just for general, like backpacking food. If you want to eat healthy while backpacking, you can have, you can have cheap, uh, healthy and uh, light and, but you can't have all three. You can have two of those things, not all three. Yeah. And, that, that's, and that's, that's not true. I mean, it depends on how much variety you want. Cause like you could just yeah. do like tons of nuts and dried fruits and stuff and be like pretty healthy, mm-hmm. at least be eating like whole plant-based stuff. Yeah. Like no, is. nothing processed, but I would get tired of that personally. Just raw keto vegan. Yeah. Um, so there's like the healthy stuff. If you want to do healthy, you can do like some of those um, nature's paths stuff is pretty good. Some of their bars are relatively healthy. They still have a ton of sugar and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're dry hiking, it's, it's kind of good, but it's um, Pro a little bars. bit healthier. Yeah, pro um, bars. Pro bars are are pretty dank. The the power the green ones are a lot of stuff. There are some green powders mm-hmm. that you can buy as well too, to supplement. Oh yeah, um, I do the green powder for sure. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Jose, grass, the the green powders. Jose, I want you to explain my diet on trail. Jordan's diet on trail is disgusting. <laughs> he eats like a child, which is not that far from how you eat on a regular basis anyway. Not true. So, but, like for what did you have for? <laughs> What do you have for breakfast every morning? And then you just have bars for breakfast every morning. Usually bars or sometimes uh, peanut butter and tortillas with chocolate chips. Yeah. Mm. Chocolate chips because uh, you're eight. And then for lunch, <laughs> it's literally just a handful of Doritos, uh, sweet and spicy chili ones. Mm. The ones that are the only ones that are accidentally vegan. So if you ever want to mm. have some some vegan Doritos, get the purple bag. Yeah. It's um, also a great pillow. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in bear country. Uh, um that's literally just your lunch except for maybe some like a handful of cashews or something else usually some more bars maybe i'm trying to think what else i eat for lunch i don't like to cook during the day yeah and then for dinner it's just it's just cold soaked beans and a tortilla ew and fritos (laughs) and fritos and with fritos sprinkled on top of that which is where you got your trail name from that you don't accept that i gave you lovingly i use it sometimes is it fritos it's Frito, Frito Bandito. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, right. It's perfect for him. It's I yeah. since I mostly do routes these days. Like, there's no one to call me by a trail name. 
I call you by the trail name yeah. all the time. We should just yeah, use trail names on this. Okay. I like Frito. I always feel like it's going to be confusing that you're Mexican and you're plants and I'm white and I'm Frito. Like <laughs> when someone says Frito, they're going to think they're talking about you. Yeah. That's racist though. That's okay. We're friends. And then if, yeah, if you want to eat trash, if, if you want to eat convenient trash, then just do what Jordan does, which is also what I do too. I'm not, I'm not shaming you because that's what I pretty much how I eat too. Shout out Twizzlers too. They make an excellent, like, so like my trick to sleeping warm is to just eat as many calories as I can, like immediately before I lay down and I'll just slam mm-hmm. like six Twizzlers. Just eat a sleeve of Oreos. Uh, I'm thinking about switching up my trail diet though to being only Doritos, Fritos, and maltodextrin. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Just chugging that, just just railing Malto. Do you drink that? Uh, I've experimented with it a bit. Uh, I had a bad experience with uh, maltodextrin and altitude sickness at the same time. Yeah. Like way <laughs> too much Malto and and altitude sickness, and I just I couldn't eat anything for like twelve hours straight because my stomach was so upset, and that sucked. But yeah, there's a ton of resources. We should post some stuff in case we we'll post some stuff out on the gram or something. Um, it's not that hard. It's like people worry about it. It's not that hard. I've never had any problems. Every once in a while, you might have to mail yourself a box extra, but I mean, most of the time, you can you can get away with a lot of stuff. I think if you know what to look for, and if you know what to look for in grocery stores, it's easy to do trail food. I think like the the hardest temptation if you're like me and you're really a social person is like town food and like trying to find vegan options in town. Like it was nice hiking with plants. But if you're with somebody else who doesn't want to eat a fucking hamburger or like a pizza then you just have to find the only restaurant that has a veggie burger that doesn't have egg in it and then or just get the vegan special which is a salad and fries fries. so many fucking french fries (laughs) and don't don't ask questions about what that those fries were cooked in dream dude that's not very posy what was it about i had a nightmare that i was a hard line